Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're continuing our study uh, through the candles, if you will, of Advent as we consider his first coming and celebrate it, and we look forward to his return, his second coming. Traditionally, there have been four candles during Advent, with uh, each of them standing for a different topic. Last week was the hallmark of hope, the hope candle, and I used the hallmark Christmas movies as an opening illustration. Uh, this week's candle is the candle of faith, and I'm also going to use uh, a movie example we're going to be looking in a moment at my wife's favorite Christmas movie. Uh, it's, we're learning it's our granddaughter's favorite Christmas movie already, The Polar Express. We're going to look at the ticket to faith. Now, if you've seen Polar Express, you already know what I'm talking about. But there's this young boy who's really struggling to believe in Christmas. He's losing the wonder of Christmas. He's struggling to believe in Christmas. At five minutes to midnight, after spending a whole season asking all these questions about how Christmas can be true, he hears this thunderous roar outside of his house. He runs out, and there's a conductor saying, this is the Polar Express. He's filled with all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubt, but he decides to get on board anyway. They have special tickets the ticket to the North Pole. And it's the outbound trip, so um, or the inbound trip, I should say. So the conductor just punches part of the ticket. It happens to be letters that none of the children understand. The entire way, this boy is challenged with whether or not he believes. He gets to the North Pole. He finally decides Christmas is real. He does believe. He prepares to get back on the train for the return trip home, and the conductor punches the rest of their tickets. And each of their tickets spells out a word that makes sense to the individual children. You'll find a know-it-all. And you'll find out what his ticket means. You'll find uh, what they call Lonely Boy, who's an impoverished young child. And uh, he's never had Christmas work for him. And you'll find what his ticket means. Then there's a hero girl that's always filled with doubt about herself. But she's an incredibly gifted girl. And then you find, finally, our hero boy, the one with all the questions. And as you watch... Ask yourselves about your own ticket to faith. Lean, whatever that's supposed to mean. Lean is spelled with four letters. I believed I punch five. Hey, are you saying I don't know how to? Oh, I'm sorry. It says learn. My mistake. Lesson learned. Take it. That is some special ticket. Sure is. So, can you count on us to get you home safe and sound? Absolutely. Me. And my friends. Take it. 
is lead. Like lead balloon. Believe it also was pronounced lead, as in leader, leadership. Lead the way. Follow you anywhere, ma'am. Ah, yes. Young man with all the questions. Ticket. Nothing I need to know. Watch your step, please. And Merry Christmas. with all the questions how many of us does that describe in 2020 who ever expected the year we've had what kind of questions has it filled you with what kind of questions has it caused your faith to face what we're going to learn this morning through Luke 1 is that it's not necessarily wrong to ask questions of our faith. Where we get into trouble revolves around the kinds of questions we ask of our faith. We're going to meet two characters this morning, well-known characters of Christmas, maybe one not as well-known. We're going to meet Zechariah, a priest, And he's going to ask a certain question of his faith, but he is going to be the father of John the Baptist. And then we meet Mary, who will ask another question of her faith, and she will be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. Two people, two circumstances, two responses to God during the Christmas season. Now, we're going to hear some names in the text and some details that you might not understand. So, let me try to set the context for you. It's about 4 B.C. The ruler of Judea is a man named Herod the Great. Herod the Great was placed into power by Mark Antony. You've heard of Mark Antony, right? Famous Roman emperor and soldier. Um... And then uh, you're going to also hear about the priesthood and the temple. And uh, there may be some things about that you don't understand. So I brought a slide in of the temple to sort of explain to you what's happening to Zechariah. Uh, The entire temple is not on this slide because it would be just too big. So you have the outer court that is actually part of the temple itself, uh, the, the formal temple. Then you go to the inner court. We see the, the, the bronze altar and uh, laver, and people can be there. Then you'll see to the left a vertical rectangle, and that's where all the priests go when they're not on duty. And then you see a horizontal rectangle, and you see that pink horizontal rectangle, the 
that is divided in one-third and two-thirds. On the far left, maybe you can see the number one. You might be able to read the words. It says, Holy of Holies. That's the most holy place. Nobody ever went in there except once a year. And the only person that could ever go in there was the high priest on the Day of Atonement. But to the right of the Holy of Holies, which is called the most holy place, you have just the holy place. And in the holy place, uh, toward the Holy of Holies up there at front, you'll see a rectangular table. That is the altar of incense. And on the right of that, you have the showbread. And on the left of that, you have the candlestick. Now, when it came to priests, there were 18,000 priests. And priests were on duty for one week, twice a year. Then every morning and every evening, the lot would ca- was cast to see who could go from that vertical rectangle into the holy place and burn the incense. It was a unique privilege decided by lot. And if, it might not even happen in your lifetime, but if it did happen in your lifetime, that would be the only time ever you would ever have that privilege. A priest if it happened to them at all, only had it happen to them once. And Zechariah is going to be chosen to go into the holy place and burn incense. Why do I go through all that, Mark Antony and the temple? I want us to be reminded as we talk about faith today that if you're trusting in Christ, it's not a fairy tale. It's grounded in time and and in space. It is rooted in history and reality. Faith is never faith in faith. Faith is never a blind faith. Faith is always trusting in certain facts, depending on, counting on, relying on. May God grant us faith this morning. Let's all stand out of reverence for God's Word. I'm going to skip around a little bit, so hang with me. We're going to start with Luke 1, verses 5 through 13, and then I'll lead us from there. This is God's Word. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, again, one of the weeks of the year he was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord. That is the holy place, not the most holy place. And uh, at the hour uh, to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, 
and you shall call his name John, John the Baptist. Skip down to verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Now skip down to verse 26. In the sixth month, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because He loves us. And He wants us to believe in Him. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word. And call us to deeper faith this morning. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that has not transferred their trust from their own efforts and goodness to Christ alone in His finished work, God, may today be the day of salvation. And God, for the rest of us, no matter what circumstances we're facing, would you, Lord, increase our faith. We do believe. Help our unbelief. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So how will we respond to challenge to our faith? Not just during 2020, but for the rest of our lives. How do we punch the ticket to faith? Well, God gives us three answers this morning. First of all, believe in his word. Believe in God's word. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now that hearing doesn't mean simply using your ears 
and allowing all the things that happen with sound waves. It's not talking about that. It's talking about listening with your heart from your heart and receiving the truth of God's Word. And two characters have two different responses. First of all, Zechariah. Look at verse 13. Your prayer has been heard. How many times had he uttered this prayer for a child? Your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. Now notice Zechariah's response in verse 18. How shall I know this? What he's asking there is, how can I know for certain? How can I believe this is really going to happen? In other words, your word's not enough. Give me some proof. Now, the irony is, how many times has he seen an angel in his life, right? Probably never. So, like, what proof does he need? And yet, before we're too hard on Zechariah, let's take a look inside at our own hearts. How often have we read God's Word or heard it taught And God was calling us to believe it and trust His promises. And rather than simply receiving it, we say, God, I need more. I just need more. I need an experience. I need a sign. I need something. Do we realize as we are sitting here thinking, well, I wish I was like Zechariah. I wish I had an angel visit. Then I'd believe. Well, actually, you know, Jesus says, no, you wouldn't. Jesus actually said that a person could be raised from the dead and people still won't believe if they're not taking him at his word. Matter of fact, we have it better than Zechariah. All he had was an angel giving him a word. We have the completed, inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative word of God. We have much more than any Old Testament saint ever had. We have much more than than Mary had, than Zechariah had, than Joseph had. We have much more than the early church had. We have the completed word of God. Do we know it? You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, not just hearing blah, 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 blah. Hearing, listening, internalizing, believing, depending on, counting on. And there are consequences to unbelief. Look at verse 19. I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God. In other words, he's saying, Zechariah, it is no small thing for you to fail to believe God's word. There's a rebuke there. And very tenderly and graciously, I want to say to you all this morning, if you're not reading God's word on a regular basis, you need to hear a gentle rebuke. Your faith cannot grow, nor will it grow apart from a regular intake of the Word of God. Whether it be your devotional life, or as we read this morning and in our catechism, the Word of God preached 
is the primary way that God builds faith in our lives through His Word. But look at verse 20. Because you did not believe my words, you will be silent. In other words, you'll go deaf. And you will not be able to speak until these things come to pass. Well, there's a couple things I want us to see. First of all, there are consequences to unbelief. Later on in the Gospels, Jesus is visiting a town. In one of the most, I think, heartbreaking verses in all of Scripture, Matthew 13, 58, he didn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. What a sad statement. Heartbreaking statement. Implications does that have for our own lives? Now, I'm not talking name it, claim it. You know me better than that. But I think sometimes we are so focused on being against name it, claim it that we miss some of the realities of faith that God makes clear in His Word. It matters whether or not we take God at His word. It matters whether or not we receive into our lives God's word. Now let's contrast this with Mary. Oh, by the way, the the second thing I want to say about Zechariah, yes, there's consequences, but notice how gracious God is. You will be silent. You'll be deaf. And you will not speak. You'll be mute. Because you didn't believe my word. Until these things shall be fulfilled. The good news of the gospel is even our doubt and our periodic unbelief will not stop. God's flow of grace into our lives. Praise God for Zechariah, through whom we're reminded God is for us. But then there's Mary. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God was sent to Nazareth. Then look at verse 31. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son and call him Jesus. So again, you see the parallel. The the Spirit inspired Luke very specifically to write these accounts so that we compare and contrast Zechariah and Mary so that we would ask questions of our own lives about how we respond to God's Word. And notice Mary also asks a question. Zechariah, how should I know this for sure? Give me a sign. The angel says, that's unbelief. Mary asks a question. How will this be since I'm a virgin? This isn't fair. How come God's being kinder to Mary than Zechariah? Mary's asking a question. How come God's not making her mute? No, no, no. Completely different question. Zechariah is doubting God's word. Mary's not. Mary's asking about the application of what she believes 
is the true word that's been spoken to her. And the application for Mary has to do with biology, not theology. Mary is a virgin. She's never been with a man. She's saying, I believe your word. What's my part? Am I supposed to sleep with Joseph? That doesn't seem right because that would be immorality. So how? I mean, just tell me what I'm supposed to do and I will follow you. And the angel then explains that the power of the Spirit will come upon her and what's conceived in her will be of God, not of man. She's like, oh, verse 38, I'm your servant. Let it be done to me according to your word. You see that? She didn't doubt God's word. She just wanted to know the mechanics of how am I supposed to apply God's word. So there's a difference about asking questions about application and not believing God's word. Where are you this morning? First of all, are you getting a regular intake of God's word? And secondly, are you believing his promises? Or are you approaching them with doubt and unbelief? Believe in God's word. Secondly, believe in God's power. Zechariah was focused on circumstances, not God's character and power. Now Luke sort of sets us up. Look at verse 7. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. And they're setting us up for Zechariah's doubt and unbelief. So look at verse 18. Look what's behind his unbelief. Look what's behind his doubt. How shall I know this? In other words, how do I know this for sure? How do I know this is true? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. See what's happening here? Is Zechariah is focused on his circumstances rather than on the power of God. During 2020, what's been your focus? Your circumstances or the power of God? See, God calls us to believe, not just when things are easy to see, but when they seem impossible to see. God is calling us to more, men and women. God is calling us to a lively faith that looks past what seems possible. God doesn't tell us to ignore our circumstances. But He doesn't let us off the hook. He says, I'm calling you to trust in my power to do what I said I will do. Now contrast that with Mary. Mary's a virgin. And how is she going to get pregnant? Now, here's an interesting contrast between Zechariah and Mary. If you look at the Old Testament, there are numerous situations when a barren, infertile woman became pregnant and gave birth to a child. There's Abraham and Sarah. Uh, there's, there's Hannah that gave birth to Samuel. Uh, it happens numerous times. But one thing that has never happened in all of history is that a virgin who had never had relations with a man 
conceived and had a child. That had never happened. Mary had all the reason in the world to not believe the promise. But she knew anything was possible with God. And she says, be it done to me. And the angel even encourages her faith by saying, even Elizabeth is in her sixth month. Her who was barren is with child. See, if God can make a speaking person mute and make a hearing person deaf, He can also make an infertile woman pregnant and someone who's never even heard of a virgin conceiving can have a child. For nothing will be impossible with God. Are you limited by circumstances? Or are you unlimited because of the power of God? You know, our denomination is is having an impact by God's grace way, way, way beyond our size. The, The PCA is who evangelicalism looks to, by and large, for theological depth and biblical understanding. I don't say that arrogantly. I'm just saying that's the truth. Now, sadly, on the other side of that coin is many feel our denomination is the ecclesiastical uh, global brain on a stick. And we've lost sight of the fact that God is the God of the supernatural and not just the rational. God is the God of the miraculous and not just the reasonable. And when it comes to our lives, have we settled into a life of what makes sense, a life of the ordinary, a life of the mundane, or are we willing to believe like Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. And that leads us to our third point. And really, this is, the, this is the kicker right here, this third point. It's one thing to believe in God's Word. It's another thing to believe in God's power. We, we both, at least, we both, all of us, theoretically, believe in both those things. But here's the struggle. Thirdly, believe in God's willingness. Yeah, we believe His Word. But is He willing to fulfill it in my life? I'll even believe and fulfill it in y'all's lives. But will I believe and fulfill it in my life? Yeah, I believe in God's power. Theoretically. But do I really believe he's willing to exercise his power toward me? I mean, look at Zechariah's experience. Look at verse 6. They were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all his commands and statutes. Now, that doesn't mean they were perfect. 
right? Just like this passage doesn't teach Mary is perfect. It, it means that they walked in repentance and faith. When they blew it, they repented and confessed and moved on. But for decades, Zechariah and Elizabeth were praying for a child without an answer. And so when the angel finally showed up, Zechariah's faith had been so whittled down that he just thought it was too good to be true. True for other people, not true for me. God, I know you can. I know you're able. I just don't believe anymore that you're willing. How does that describe some of us this morning? You know in your head he can. But what you doubt is whether he's willing. And so before we're too hard on Zechariah, put yourself in his shoes. How desperately he had prayed year after year after year after year with seemingly nothing happening. So in verse 19, when the angel says, I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news, nah, not me. Nope. Other people, maybe, but it's just too good to be true to think it's me. You know, there was a leper that had had leprosy for many years, and Jesus came to his town. Now, if you think COVID has been isolating, you ought to be a leper in the first century. Okay? The leper had to run everywhere they went. The leper had to shout, unclean, unclean, unclean to warn everybody that they were lepers so that they would run away from them. Because if anybody got too close to them, A, they might catch it, and B, they might be actually cast out of worship among God's people. COVID's got nothing on leprosy. And this man in isolation, who by the law was demanded to cry out unclean and stay in isolation, saw Jesus. And he said, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. You wonder what happened the next millisecond that must have felt to the man like a million years. And Jesus looked at him and said, I am willing. Be clean. What's your God like? Standoffish. Waiting for you to just screw up enough faith. I do believe, I do believe, I do believe, I do believe. Hanging back. Or is your God a God of incredible willingness because of his kindness to shower you with favor and grace. Again, we see the Lord's willingness to be kind even to Zechariah. Verse 20. You're going to be 
mute and deaf until these things come to pass. In other words, your unbelief, Zechariah, it's not going to stop my goodness to you. There, there will be consequences. Don't take it lightly. Seek to grow in faith. But ultimately, you cannot do anything to stop my favor upon you. And then there's Mary, who is actually called the favored one in verse 28. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Well, remember, Zechariah was favored too. Now, even Mary herself was greatly troubled. What's going on? But notice the kindness of God and his willingness to encourage shaky faith. He causes the angel to repeat himself. Verse 30, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. God longs to be kind to you. God longs to be gracious to you. And the problem is the brokenness of life has a tendency to wear us down so that we stop believing that God is good and that he's willing to shower us with his goodness. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give what is good to your children, then how much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask? And so we ask. And we ask, and we ask, and sometimes, sometimes, even most times, we seem to get not only what we didn't ask for, which is even worse, we think, than what we were trying to address, but nothing seems to happen like we thought it would. Jesus says, if your son asks for a loaf, will you give him a stone? Yes, that's exactly what I feel, God. How many of us have been praying for a loaf and nothing's happened the way you thought, the way you asked in your own mind, and you're thinking, I got a stone? How many of you have been asking for a fish and the way things have turned out, you're thinking, he did give me a snake? See, that's the problem. The problem is failing to believe that God never gives you a stone, ever. He never gives you a snake, ever. If you, being evil, know how to give what is good to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give what is good to those who ask? He is willing to give you the kingdom. This isn't the end of the story for Zechariah. It's not the end of the story for Mary, of course. Uh, in the following verses, Mary sings a song called the Magnificat. We've all heard it. She, oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. She magnifies the Lord for his word, for his power, and his willingness. But after that is Zechariah's song. Zechariah's song is called the Benedictus. It means blessing. He blesses the Lord for his word, for his power, for his willingness. God used these circumstances to lead Mary and Zechariah to deeper faith. Mary is the model of faith. Zechariah is the picture of redemptive grace. Your story's not over either. Neither's mine. What song does God want us to sing in the midst of all of 2020? and moving forward into the future. 
He wants you to believe in his word. He wants you to believe in his power. And dear flock of God, listen to me. He wants you to believe. He is willing to give you the kingdom. If you ask for a loaf, he will never give you a stone. And if you ask for a fish, he will never give you a snake. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for Zechariah because he gives me hope. And I also want to thank you for Mary because she shows me what it's possible by your grace for us to do when it comes to exercising faith. So God, we find ourselves in the midst of these two characters. We do believe, help, Lord, our unbelief. And God, I don't know about the rest of the people here, but my biggest issue is, God, just remind me that you're willing. That not only you can, I know you can, but do you want to? Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus, may today be the day of their salvation. May they transfer their trust from themselves, their own efforts at being good, and rest and count on and rely on and depend on and believe the finished work of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.